for today is called Hoping in the Dark, because that is what many of us are doing these days. And um, Lois, I'd love to ask you later what translation you used, because I loved how the version you read um, talked about trusting God as, as hope. And I think that so much what hope is and how it comes to us. So this is um, the last of four weeks that we've spent on the theme of hope. And um, I've loved this particular passage from the book of Romans for a few years now uh, because I first stumbled upon it actually when I was preaching one summer at Canadian Memorial for you sea muckers with us. Um, and because in the translation I read, it talked about hoping for what we do not see. And I think that's so powerful. I, I think that's so important because we need hope, right? It's vital. We need it to be human. We need it to keep going. We need it in order to just keep on living. And yet, and I wonder, I mean, every generation, right, thinks that it is more the that the world changes the fastest when it's around and, and that, you know, the, that things are worst when it's around. But in the, in the rise of social media and the rise of, you know, cable TV and all the multiple ways that we are, are inundated with all the stories of what is happening in this world, and because it's so often bad news that is the news, um, it can be easy to lose hope because it's hard to see how we can make things right. The problem that we face as humans is that we have limited imaginations. Now, we also have extraordinary imaginations, right? I mean, the very fact that we are all in our living rooms or bedrooms or studies at home, the fact that we are gathering across provinces this morning is thanks to human imagination and ingenuity and, and creativity. So we're extraordinary. But we're also limited in the solutions we can envision. We are, well, at least I am, amazingly talented at predicting all the ways something will go badly, which is why so many of us procrastinate writing a difficult email or why we avoid difficult conversations because we are great at thinking of all the ways that this is going to go terribly and we're going to wreck this relationship and this person will be mad at us and it'll all be horrible. I see some smiles, so it's great to know I'm not the only one. But I don't know about you, but I don't spend my time imagining all the ways it will go well. You know, I don't think, oh my gosh, this conversation is, like, they will just understand exactly what I'm trying to say, and they'll meet me halfway. In fact, they'll apologize first, and we'll be reconciled. You know, that's not how our brain goes. And... I wonder if part of this is because we limit ourselves by imagining how we individually can fix something. 
Whether it is the war in Syria, whether it's, it's the dismal state of the prison system, which I was reading about this morning, whether it's our own family grudges, the problem seems overwhelming because we so often feel that it is up to us. And how is one person going to stop a war or get bitter family members to talk to each other? I do believe that we, as disciples of Christ, as followers of Jesus, as children of God, we are called to take a hand in mending the world. We are called to be a part of God's work. We are called to live out justice mercy, and love. But if everything is up to us, we are all in trouble, right? There's that ancient Greek myth. I don't know what he did, but there was this guy named Atlas who the Greek gods punished by giving him the world to carry on his shoulders. That was a punishment, not a reward. I think they had it right. If we take the problems of the world upon our shoulders, we're just going to get crushed. Because the truth, my friends, as we know by now, but it doesn't really stop us, the truth is that we can't fix everything. We can actually fix very few things. I think parents know this all too well. You know, we can't stop our kids from making bad choices that are going to hurt them. We can't always fix people by loving them. Right. Right. We want our love to be enough. We know that our children need to make some mistakes, but there are some mistakes we never want to watch them make, and we can't stop them. And sometimes we can't even fix ourselves. In fact, this is a crucial part of Christian teaching. Jesus came to save us because we can't save ourselves. There is a reason why the first of the 12 steps is to admit that you are powerless. When we are so limited, when there are so many problems we cannot fix, it is easy to lose hope because we cannot see a solution. And that, that is why we hope for what we do not see and do not have. Now, this is not the same as blind optimism. This is not the same as shutting our eyes to problems. This is not the same as just declaring that everything is going to be fine just because we want it to be. Hoping for what we do not see is to trust that God will see what we cannot Hoping for what we do not see is to accept that there are limits to our human vision. Hoping for what we do not see is to trust that we are not alone. Because, my friends, we are not alone. In the words of our beloved new creed, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. And the glory of this God of ours, this faithful, intimate, beloved God of ours, is that God chooses 
to make herself known in so many ways, as Father, as Son, as Holy Spirit. And as Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit in this passage, the Spirit helps us in our weakness who teaches us to pray because we don't know what to pray, how to pray. And the Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. Let's spend a minute with this. The Spirit intercedes for us, acts for us, in accordance with the will of God. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to spend a service on the Trinity and, and exploring it. But for today, friends, I just want to name this beautiful, mind-boggling, life-giving, holy mystery that we Christians call the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. They're the same, but they're not. Nobody completely understands it. Muslims and Jews call us polytheists and tell us we worship more than one God because of it. But basically, we Christians say that there is a trinity because the New Testament talks of God and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're the same and they're not. And that's a beautiful gift. If we get too much in our heads about it, it's going to give us a headache. But it is a gift because it tells us that God is not limited to one way of being. God does not come to us in only one form. God is Father. God is Christ the Son. God is the Holy Spirit. And when Paul writes about the Holy Spirit interceding for us, Paul is basically saying that God is acting on our behalf, interceding with God's own self in accordance with God's own will. I can't put this on a chart, right? We can't, we can't make a diagram of this or, or a graph of this, but, but if we think of this as some kind of dance, if we think of it in terms of movement, if we think of it in terms of, I don't know, energy, there's something, Paul tells us, about God that means that God is everywhere at once. God is in us, acting for us. God is with us, and God is moving in a way that brings about God's will. We know that God's will doesn't always happen in this world. But what Paul is telling us is that even when we are groaning together, as we are now in this pandemic time, even when we are feeling alone, even when, maybe especially when, we don't see ways out of where we are right now, 
God is at work. God is at work praying for us and with us when we cannot pray. God is acting for us and in us and with us when we have no idea what to do. God is active in our lives because it is God's own will that God's own children are made whole in God's image and God's love. So friends, the hope that is offered to us today is not a hope that rests on everything getting better. Because sometimes, for a while, things get worse. The hope we're given today is not a hope that rests on your shoulders and mine to fix everything. The hope we're given today is the hope that God is hope, that God is with us, that God sees things we cannot, will not leave us alone, and is in us and in this world because God loves you and I and this world way too much to leave us to our own devices. So friends, when your hope seems frail, and when your hope is hard to see, I promise you that God's hope is in you and acting for you. Thanks be to God.